All right, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. We're going to be starting in verse 15. But before I do that, before we get into it, I want to invite you guys to, I think it's our 10th annual, or actually it might be more like, I think it's 12. If I did, wait, it was 2000 and like, yeah, 10 or 11. So like 12th annual, I'm going to go 12. Okay, 12th annual uh, Mech's giving. So every year, the last two years, we did it here at church. We had a taco truck. And the idea was, you don't want to cook the night before Thanksgiving, so let's bring some tacos in. Uh, but for years past, we had just gone out together after church and hung out and fellowshiped and ate and had a good time. So that's what we're going to do tonight. So you guys are invited. Uh, we're going to go to El Rancho, which is on the other side of Santee, over by, on the other side of 52, by Big Rock Park over there. So we're going to go to El Rancho. If you want to come, come join us. If you already had dinner, you know, come eat a churro or something. I don't know. Come hang out. Be part of it. So... That's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to keep the message short. Now, I know pastors say that all the time, but I really am. We're only going to do three verses. So my goal is to get done before 8 o'clock because I'm hungry. And so I'm ready to go fellowship with you guys and have some Mexican food and have a good time. But we're going to do three verses tonight. So it's going to be in chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. Let's uh, get together. Let's pray and get into our message tonight. Lord, we come before you tonight to give you all the honor all the glory and all the thanks and praise. You are so good. You are so loving. You are so beyond what we can ever even imagine, Lord. And I thank you for all that you do and all that you show us. Lord, I pray tonight that you would fill us with your spirit. Help us to hear what you have to say. Lord, speak through your word to us. Help us to leave here knowing you and drawing closer to you. We give it all to you tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're only doing three verses. Go ahead and um, we're going to pick, actually, we're going to pick up in verse 18 or verse 15 of chapter 18, where it says, then he also, they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. I love the fact that we just happen to be in our study of Luke right here in this section because tonight's a family service. And guess what? We're going to talk about kids. It's all about children. How many children we have in here tonight? Raise your hand. I'm going to do the cutoff of like 12, guys. Okay, 12 and under. Like, teenagers is a whole other category. How many teenagers do we have? Okay, you guys, okay, good. They wanted to be known. Okay, all right, how many kids do we have? All right, we've got a lot of kids. Awesome. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, kids, listen, children, but adults can learn a lot about faith from you guys. Did you know that? You did know that. Well, there you go. Joey knew that. All right, so we can learn a ton about faith through kids, and that's what Jesus is going to show us tonight. Um, It's amazing to see all the kids in here. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing this message. And I realized that some of my favorite people, in fact, most of my favorite people in life are kids. Of course, my own three kids. I love them to death. Isaac's excited about that. He he wasn't sure, you know. Um, I love all my kids, of course. And then I have, uh, actually, I just found out I'm going to have an eighth 
uh, niece. So I have eight nieces and nephews. So I love, they're awesome. They're all hilarious and great. And I love them. Um, I, a lot of you guys at this church, the kids at this church, uh, you guys are awesome. You come up, you give high fives. You're just a ton of fun. I, I, some of my favorite people overall in life are kids because kids are awesome, right? They are. Um, they're always down to have a good time, uh, pretty much. Uh, they're really good at making people laugh. Like if you have a good conversation with a kid, you're gonna laugh at some point in that conversation, right? Uh, they're full of energy in life. Like if I could bottle the amount of energy that kids have, I would just you know, use that because it's, it's a ton of energy. Um, they're fun to talk to. But most importantly, the most important thing I like about kids is that they don't have all the hangups and the issues that adults have, right? Kids, you don't have the issues that we have yet. You're not there yet. Um, you are issue-free so far and you're just a ton of fun. I, I love kids. I, I was... I heard a story about a kid who was shopping with his mom for Thanksgiving. So it's a perfect joke. It's a Thanksgiving joke. He was shopping with his mom for Thanksgiving, and she was trying to find the largest turkey in the store and having a hard time. So she goes up to the butcher. She goes, hey, do these turkeys get any bigger? And before the butcher could answer, the son pulled on his mom's you know, pants and goes, mom, they're dead. That's as big as they get. <laughs> and it's like, I love that honesty. Kids just are straightforward. They, they're, they're honest. They're great. Also, uh, by the way, kids, here's, I got a joke for you guys. You guys want to hear a joke? This is for the kids. You guys want to hear a joke? Okay, this is a joke you can tell your family who's not here tonight later, okay? Um, what do you call a turkey with only one foot? Or what does a turkey with only one foot say? Sorry. What does a turkey with only one foot say? Wobble, wobble. Right? You guys, okay. Anyways, it was really bad. <laughs> it was a dad joke. Some of you guys got it later than I would be comfortable. No, yeah. Um, okay. Well, you know who else loved kids? Who else loved kids? Jesus. Of course, Jesus loved kids as we just read. Now pick up with me in verse 15. Let's look at this a little closer. It says in verse 15 that they brought infants to him that he would put his hands and touch them and pray for them. So he brought infants. We also know that they brought children. Uh, Matthew and Mark both add that there were children as well. And it tells us in Mark that they brought them to Jesus to be blessed, to be blessed by Jesus. Matthew adds that Jesus put his hands and prayed over these children, that he prayed for them. Um, and that was a common practice in that day to bring the kids to the rabbis to be blessed and to have a blessing prayed over them to receive a special blessing, which is why we practice infant dedication to this day, right? This is why we do this today. We, we bring our children to Jesus to pray over them and to bless them and their families. Notice, just in case you were wondering, there's no baptism or salvation really mentioned here. In fact, we don't really see infant baptism in the Bible, if you're curious about that. Yes, children are born into this world as sinners. I think we can all agree, right? If you've ever been around a child, you know, they are born to this world sinners, but there's definitely an age at which a child becomes aware of their sin. And at that point, that's when baptism is practiced in its proper place, when a child becomes aware and knows of the sin. Because baptism is a public demonstration and a public admission of your sin, right? So if a child doesn't understand their sin, there's no need for a baptism yet. This is a blessing. It's a little different. So Child dedication is not about salvation. It's about a prayer of blessing over them. And it says the disciples now, in the rest of verse 15, so they brought these children to him, but when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. 
Uh, all three accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all say that the disciples rebuked these children. That's kind of, kind of a harsh language. Uh, they basically told the mothers of the babies and the little children, hey, stop. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Go away. We don't have time for this. Uh, I need you to go away, right? It seems a little strange. I think it's a little strange that the disciples would stand in the way of Jesus. And we're not told why, you know. Maybe they thought Jesus was tired. You know, maybe he looked kind of tired or he had a lot going on. Maybe he had other ministry that they thought was more important to do. You know, oftentimes adults think things are more important. Or maybe they just thought that he really wasn't interested in children. Man, they could have not got this more wrong. He is, of course, totally uh, not, he's not too tired. He's not too important. And he absolutely has interest in children. It's not the first time also that the disciples tried to get rid of people. Uh, we see it in Matthew 14. Uh, they wanted to send away the crowd that was hungry. And Jesus says, no, we're going to feed them. Don't send them away. We're going to feed them, right? Uh, they also tried to stop the Canaanite woman from coming up to Jesus and asking for healing for her daughter. And Jesus ends up healing her daughter anyways and answers her prayers. You know, I think sometimes adults are just too practical. Right, kids? We're just too, <laughs> you know, you're just too practical. Um, I'm not sure what age it happens. You know, I, I don't know, somewhere around maybe 12, 13 or something. I don't know. Um, where we become much more serious and just not as fun. I, I feel like junior hires still have a lot of fun. Like when I teach and share with junior hires, they're still down to do whatever, thing, whatever stupid thing we're doing, right? But then there's some point in high school, and it's not all high schools, but a lot of high schools where they're just, they're just too cool to do anything. And you try to do something dumb or stupid, and they're like, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't have time for this. I'm too serious. And, it, and there's some point where we all kind of cross that line from being a kid to being too serious. Now, I, I do think there's moments where, you know, I know for me, even as a dad, I can act really goofy with my kids and I can get into the child mode and it's great. But I think there's some point in adults where we just, we become so serious about everything and we overthink everything. I know, I know I do. Maybe I'm the only one in here, but I think you can relate that oftentimes we, we overthink things. And we start to think that kids are a distraction or maybe there are more important things to do than deal with the kids around us. That there's some kind of nuisance to be tolerated. Um, and I think Jesus reminds us here that that's not the case. Kids are not just to be tolerated and, and from something more important that they are very important. Jesus looks at children and he embraces them and prays with them. And he's going to use this as an example to the disciples and to us about the kingdom and about faith. Look at verse 16. He says, But Jesus called to them and said, Let the little children come. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. So Jesus, when the disciples rebuke him, the disciples are like, Hey, kids, get out of here. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Get out of here. And Jesus is like, No, come. No, don't do that. The first thing he does is he calls to them, it says. He tells the kids, no, 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 come closer. Don't listen to the disciples. Come closer. He brings them in close, and then he shows us his heart when he does that, that he's drawing them in. And he has a special place in his heart for children. God sees kids as nothing but blessings. You never see God complaining about children. In fact, he commands us to have children and to be blessed by children. And he tells us that uh, from the very beginning. Genesis 1.28, we're told, be fruitful 
and multiply. By the way, that's my favorite verse to put in wedding cards for new couples. It's a good one. I don't put the, I just put the reference. They got to go look it up. Um, Psalm 127, children are a gift of the Lord. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children in one's youth. Blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. Having a lot of children's is, children is a blessing. God tells us that's a blessing for us and for the children. Also, I love Psalm 139 because it shows us that each child is fearfully and wonderfully made, right? And that they're knit together in their mother's womb. God has a lot to say about how special children are to him. So it's no surprise that children and family are a very important part of the Jewish culture in that day and, and still even to this day. And as Christians, it's also, they're also a very important part of our lives, our walks as Christians, our culture, our church. Children are a very important, very important part of the church body as a whole. Jesus never sees children as a burden or any less valuable than anyone else. They're always a blessing. So he brings them in closer. And then he turns to the disciples after they've come in closer and he says, let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them. Do not forbid them. And the children love to go to Jesus. You know, they, all came, they, didn't, they didn't resist it. They didn't, they're like, yeah, they came in. Uh, they know good character when they see it. You know, children are sometimes such a good judge of character that adults just miss sometimes. And they, and they know when somebody's being genuine. Kids can, kids can tell that. And they come into Jesus and he says, Listen, don't forbid them. Don't stop a child from coming to me. Man, heaven forbid if we ever block the way of a child to Jesus or even fail to provide a way for a child to learn or to understand Jesus or to get to know Jesus. We have to bring the children in our lives to wherever Jesus is and bring, him, bring them to where he's gonna minister to them. The mothers of Judea, they knew this. They brought their infants and they, at this time, they knew much less about Jesus than we do, right? These mothers are just learning who Jesus is. They don't know, they don't have the full written account of everything that we know. We know so much more about Jesus. So how much more are we able to trust and bring our kids to Jesus than even these mothers did? And yet they knew and they brought their kids to him. And so should we. We should bring our children to Jesus every chance we get. No matter how hard it is to get out the door on a Sunday morning, and I know it's hard, always bring your children to church where Jesus is, where he's being worshiped, where he's being taught. This is why church, Sunday school, and fellowship is so important because that's where they learn about Jesus. It's also important to bring Jesus to them in the home. Right? Bring, it's not just at church. It's not just Sunday school. But in your own homes, it's important to bring in Jesus, to talk about spiritual things, to read Bible stories, to pray together. One of my, some of my favorite conversations are talking to my kids about spiritual things because there's some insight that they have sometimes that I don't even realize. And I'm like, wow, that's a really good way of putting that. Or I didn't even think of that. There's also some crazy things they say too, but that's okay. We can you know, talk about that and, and teach them about the truth that God gives us. So it's important to bring your kids where God is doing things. Bring, your, bring Jesus into your home and talk about him and pray together and, and read those stories together. When, whether you're a parent whether you're a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, even an older sibling or a family friend, do everything you possibly can to lead little children that are around you to Jesus, whoever those people are. We all have different people that God has put in our lives. 
Whatever children you have in your life, like I said, whether your grandparent, aunt, uncle, a friend, whoever they are, point them to Jesus whenever you can. Don't hinder them, lead them to Jesus because that's what Jesus says. Bring them to me. He says, don't forbid them. And then he adds in verse, the rest of verse 16, for such is the kingdom of God. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like these children. Now, he's not saying the kingdom of God is made up of children, okay? There's not some kind of age cap that you can't get into heaven if you're over 12 years old or something. That, that wouldn't make any sense. But he's saying the, children, the, the kingdom of God is like these children. He's saying everyone who comes to, them, comes to him, Jesus, like they did, is welcome in his kingdom. Everyone who comes. The kingdom is full of people who came to Jesus like a child. Like a child runs to their parents or runs to their friend or runs to Jesus. The kingdom is full of people who go to Jesus in that way. There's no need to come to Jesus with your human accomplishments or your resume or your, all your good works. You know, kids don't have any of those things. When kids go to Jesus, they don't bring any of their fancy stuff. They don't try to look better and dress up. They just go to Jesus how they are. All are welcome in this way. There's no human status or structure in the kingdom of God. Ultimately, no matter what, no matter what age or status we are, when we enter the kingdom of God, we're all God's children anyways, right? When we get to to the kingdom of God, we're all God's children. All of us. I don't care if you're Billy Graham or the grandma down the street. They're all God's children together in his kingdom. No one is excluded from God's kingdom unless they choose to be, unless they choose to reject it. So Jesus is showing the disciples these kids, and he's he's explained to them that nobody is excluded. And kids, of course, in society as a whole, have the lowest status. They haven't earned anything. They, haven't, they don't have a business degree. They don't have businesses. They don't have money. They don't have homes. They don't own stuff. So they have the lowest status. And he's saying, look, this is what the kingdom of God is made of. Whoever comes to me, no matter what their status is, they are welcome and part of my kingdom. Everyone is included in God's kingdom if they want to be, if they accept it, just like these kids. Then he makes the bigger point here in verse 17 where he says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. So he gets a little bit more deeper here, a little bit more serious when he says, the only way to receive the kingdom of God is like a child. So you literally cannot enter the kingdom of God without an attitude like a child, without being like a child. So not only are children welcome in the kingdom, we're told that that's how you must receive it. How do you receive the kingdom of God? Like a child. We need childlike faith to receive the kingdom of God. Now, let's be clear. We're talking about childlike, not childish. Okay. It's a very important distinction to make, right? He's not talking about childish behavior, like throwing tantrums, being selfish or fighting over stuff. I'm talking to adults here, by the way. Because we do that, right? We, we, adults are just as guilty. Kids, you know, I don't know if you know this, but adults are just as guilty as throwing tantrums as kids are. It's just, we hide it a little bit better. But we have the same problems, right? We still have childish behaviors that we're told to leave behind as we follow Christ. So we're not talking about childish things. We're talking about childlike 
behavior, specifically childlike faith. A faith that is in direct contrast to the proud Pharisee that Jesus just talked about. If you read a couple verses before in verse 9 through 14, he talked about the Pharisee who only trusted in himself and his own self-righteousness. He created his own self-righteousness, who in his pride believed that he was better than certain other sinners, right? The childlike faith is the complete opposite of that type of faith. A childlike faith has a couple key components. Um, First of all, a childlike faith is humble. It's not, a child doesn't pretend to be something they're not. Well, I'm not talking about like playing dress up. I'm talking about in general, a child does not pretend to be something they're not. A child does not pretend to be or try to be self-righteous as a whole. They aren't worried about putting on the right things and cleaning their lives up before they come to Jesus. They just go to him without a second thought. They came to Jesus just as they were. No reservations. I love that about kids, right? They'll go, to, they'll go out in public wearing anything. I mean, have you ever seen a five-year-old dress themselves? It's special, okay? They don't care. They're just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, my kids, you know, when they were little, they, they would go anywhere, even if they had like dirt on their face or their hair is messed and they're wearing whatever. They don't care. I love that about kids. I kind of wish, not that we shouldn't take care of ourselves, but I kind of wish adults were a little bit more like that, right? A little bit less worried about appearances. They have no reservations. The kids that Jesus received here, they're blessed without trying to make themselves worthy of it. They didn't do anything to try to make themselves worthy of God's blessing. The only thing they did is go to him. And he blessed them and prayed over them. They didn't do anything to earn it. And they didn't pretend also that they didn't need it. As if they had it figured out. Kids know they don't got it figured out. They know that, hey, I got ha- to ask mom and dad to do things because I don't know how to drive. I don't know how to get places. I don't know how to do things. Sometimes to a fault. I don't know how to fold my own laundry. Oh, you do. We've taught you, you know. But they, they don't go to God, to Jesus, and try to pretend that they don't need him. They know they need him. Just like a kid knows he needs his parents. They humble, humbly receive blessings for what they are as gifts. You know, the best gift getters are kids. They don't ask questions. You give them a gift, they're like, awesome. That's simple as that, right? They're good at getting gifts. They're, they know it's undeserved and totally free, and they don't worry about that. Which is the only way to receive salvation, is to know it's totally free. You can't earn it, and you only just have to accept it and praise God for it. I love that. I love, when a kid gets a gift and his eyes light up and that's all, and there's no questions, just excited, that's how re- salvation is received when we receive God's salvation. God doesn't tell us to do anything. He doesn't say we have to be a certain way or act a certain way. He just gives us the gift of salvation. And if we receive it like a child, it's there for free, given to us, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Paul tells us in Ephesians here, it's a free gift. Just receive it like a child. They understand that they don't have to earn it or try to make it um, right in some way or try to, you know, um, earn it in some way. That's how our faith should be. Completely humble, 
honest before God and receiving whatever blessings he has. The second thing I notice about kids is a childlike faith is totally dependent. Childlike faith is totally dependent. They trust their parents and the adults around them in their lives like we should trust Jesus. You ever think about how much faith you had in your parents as a kid? Like, right, you'd be like really far away at grandma's house or at the beach or somewhere very far from home. You're having the best time ever with your friends or your cousins or whoever you're with and you're just running around and then of course, you hit the wall and you crash and you literally just pass out on the grass in your grandma's backyard or something. And you know, mom or dad picks you up and next thing you know, they're putting you in the car and you wake up in bed the next morning. How amazing is that? Like, I wish someone would do that for me nowadays. <laughs> um, uh, although I love to do that for my kids, but it's so amazing. We had such faith in our parents that dad even knew how to get home. Like, I remember thinking that when I was a little kid, like, how does he know which roads to go on. Like back then when I was little, I didn't understand. But you know what I did understand is that he did know. I didn't know how when I was really little. I didn't understand how the road system worked. I didn't understand maps or any of that stuff. But I knew he knew how to get home and I would always end up at home. And I trusted him 100%. I didn't question him. I didn't get in the car when I was five years old and be like, dad, well, do you know which route to take? Do you know if traffic's gonna be bad? Like, did you check it? Like, I didn't say any of that. I just trusted him and I got in the car and I was home the next morning. That's a beautiful thing. Such faith and trust. That's the kind of faith we need to have with God. Because by, by the way, we're talking about imperfect parents. Our parents are all imperfect. Some of you are nodding. Don't, don't nod too hard, okay? Our parents are all imperfect and they do let us down. And yet we look at God who is perfect, who will never let us down. And yet we hold back and we're like, I don't know if I can trust God as much you know, as I want to should be the opposite. We should be trusting in God 100%, knowing he is perfect in every way and will guide us to whatever he has for us and whatever we need. So much greater than even our parents could have been, and yet we put 100% faith in them as kids. We need to do the same uh, as adults in Jesus. This type of complete trust and faith is what Jesus is telling his disciples here that he's demonstrating with these kids. A childlike faith is completely dependent on Christ. You can't get into heaven without being dependent on Christ. He's the only one who provides the means of salvation anyways. You know, the third thing I thought of about kids and their childlikeness is that a childlike faith has a sense of wonder that makes life kind of exciting, right? Kids are learning and excited to understand the world around them. You ever, you ever hang out with a kid who's just learning to talk? I love it. That's like one of my favorite ages, around two or so. You know, they're just learning to talk and they're asking like every question. I mean, don't get me wrong. It can get a little, little jarring after a while. Why, why, why? The why question, you know? But they love it. They, they were trying to figure out life, trying to figure out what's going on. Where, what, what, what is what? Who is who? Who's uncle? Who's aunt? Who's mom? Who's dad? All this stuff. They love figuring out and they're excited about life. And a childlike faith has that sense of wonder in life. And I think as, as a Christian, our faith should have a sense of wonder with God. There should be an, a sense of excitement and wonder with God. Not, it's not like you're walking around all day being, oh my gosh, God is so good. Like, you know, there's, that's a little fake. I would be weirded out by you if you did that. But there should be in our life as, a, as our walk with Christ that we should be amazed and in wonder and excited to learn more about what he's doing and more about him. And hey, you guys are doing that here tonight. So this is part of that, but we should have this sense of wonder of God. 
That's what a child, excited to learn and grow in the knowledge and understanding of the things of God. And I, I struggle with this sometimes. Maybe you guys do too. You know, as a boring adult, I get a little apathetic about spiritual things sometimes. Oh yeah, you know, I only have like two minutes to pray. You know, I'll just eat, I'll just get some coffee. I'll pray tomorrow. Or, oh yeah, you know that, oh, that's really cool that God did that thing for you, awesome. And then you just kind of move on and you don't really think about it. And sometimes we can get into this mode of just kind of forgetting how amazing it is that God's working, that God's using us, that he loves us enough to include us in all the things that he's doing. I have to remind myself of that wonder of God's miracles that he's doing around us on a daily basis. I bet if every one of us took a step back and thought about the things that God is doing in our friends, our family, and around us, we could find things that we forgot about, that we need to be uh, excited for, and, and that we could be more involved in. And there's a sense of awe and wonder when we look back at those things. So, you know, those are just some of the ways the main ways that a child has that faith that God tells us, that Jesus tells us here that, that we should have to enter his kingdom. This type of faith that the kingdom of God is made of and it starts with us coming to Jesus like these kids did because the only way to enter the kingdom is to become a child and to be born again anyways. You guys remember Nicodemus, right? He came to Jesus and he said, How, what do I do? Teacher, you're a great teacher. What do I do to get to the kingdom of God? And what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? said, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what the heck are you talking about, man? Like, how could I be physically born again? And of course, he says, unless you're born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is completely dependent on God the Father. That's what Jesus showed us on when he was on earth. When Jesus was doing his ministry, what did he do? He always prayed and sought the will of the Father and he was completely dependent on God the Father as he was here on earth. That's the same childlike faith spirit that comes and dwells in us when we're born again. We allow that spirit to work and become more and more like a child in our spiritual walk, trusting in Jesus more and more every single day as we listen to the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples here. You must become spiritually like a child, trusting completely in Jesus, having that awe and wonder of what he's doing and being completely free, not trying to earn our own way or salvation, letting the Holy Spirit lead us to be dependent on everything God has. Look, the, 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 the things that we do that get us off track as believers is when we try to go the other way, when we try to be too adult about our faith. Oh, I got this figured out. I've done this before. I can do this. I can do that. And, and I don't really need to trust God that much. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. That's when we get derailed, right? Jesus is reminding us here to keep a simple childlike faith. You can come to him anytime. No works involved. You can be dependent on him completely. He's perfect in every way. He will lead you and guide you in every good thing. And you can let him show you the awe and wonder of things that he's doing. So just these three verses, we see this little snapshot of the faith that God gives us through the Holy Spirit that we can have. Now, if you've never come to Jesus like one of these kids, I don't know who, who's all here tonight. If you've never come to him um, and become a new creation, 
You cannot, it says you cannot receive the kingdom of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you first come to him. If that's something you haven't done, do that tonight. Come to him. Don't wait for another second. Drop all your preconceptions and reservations that you have, all the adult thinking, and come to Christ as a child. If you've never done that, I don't know if anyone here has, um, come to him. Surrender and put all your faith in him like a child. Now, for those of us who have done that, most of us here tonight, we have done that. Now, my encouragement then is don't become too adult in your spiritual walk. I, we do that so much. I overthink everything. I'm a classic overthinker. I think a lot of us are. Um, I become too adult in my walk, and I think that I know what I'm doing because I've been doing it for a while, and I, I don't even consult God about half the things, which I sh- is completely the opposite of what he's saying here. He's saying, no, you have to have faith and trust like a child and come to me for all things. Be careful of trying to start your own righteousness like the Pharisee did in the beginning of this chapter, to try to make your own spirituality, to try to earn your way to God in some way. That doesn't get you anywhere. Put your faith in him daily like a child does with their parents, trusting in him for all things and in all things, staying humble, dependent, and amazed at who God is. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you so much for this word tonight, for the illustration you give us of these child and the childlike faith that we're called to have. Lord, I pray that we would just be more dependent on you, that we would surrender to you more daily, Lord, that we wouldn't try to earn things in our own ways, and our own righteousness. Lord, it's such a tendency, but we, we come before you tonight and just surrender who we are, and we We love you, and we thank you for bringing us into your family and into your kingdom. What an amazing thing to be called a child of God, and we thank you for that. In your name we pray, amen. 7.57, I did it. All right, uh, thanks everyone. If you have any prayer requests, if you'd like to get any prayer, I'll be available um, for a little bit afterwards. If not, you can join us for Mexican food at El Rancho. Otherwise, have an awesome Thanksgiving and eat a lot of turkey.